Welcome to Mosaic Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Notice that in the news this week that Leeds got voted the best city in the UK. Pretty amazing stuff. I don't know if you also noticed that the research was done by the Yorkshire Evening Post. And so a little bit of unbiased reporting going on there. But isn't it brilliant to live in the best city in the UK? Absolutely fantastic. I was convinced of it before they told me. Um, It's great that you're here, whether you're from Leeds or not. um, We are currently studying what is known as the greatest sermon ever told. It's the Sermon on the Mount, um, Jesus' instructions, manifesto for what life looks like with him in the kingdom of God. And we are going to read tonight just five verses found in Matthew chapter 7. So if you've got a Bible or you've got it on your phone, feel free to follow on there, but it's actually going to appear on the screen behind me. And this is the words of Jesus. And he says this, Do not judge or you too will be judged. Why don't you just say that to me? For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly a conversation on this track. But on this track, here's just some of the things that go through my mind. I'm thinking of the way people dress and their style, the way they talk, the, what they might be drinking, what they might be eating, their age, their color, their tattoos, their haircut, the car they've driven in their smell, their nationality. And what I find to do, and I I don't mean to do it, but it's almost like I can meet someone and literally scanned. And a decision or an opinion has been formed in my brain. And somehow I've taken all these different factors, mainly external, and come to a conclusion, good or bad or whatever. And my guess is, if you're honest, you guys do something similar as well. Amen? Amen. Two people. (laughs) Are you someone who harshly critiques, harshly judges, and pulls people apart? Apparently, um, I've got two minutes to impress you in speaking tonight because within two minutes most of you have decided when you listen to someone talk whether or not you're going to listen you've looked at me you've judged me and decided whether or not I am worthy of your time and your attention as I was thinking this week about how I judge others I realized the way the the place that I judge the most and I can see it most clearly in my heart, is when I'm on my bicycle. Often I feel like 
uh, so I cycle to work and back again most days. And I often feel as a cyclist, most car drivers have no idea how hard it is cycling on the streets of Leeds, how much room you need, how dangerous it is, um, how little warning drivers give, especially if they're turning left and you're undertaking. And I very easily switch from being quite reasonable and wanting to serve my great city, the best city in the UK, uh, as I cycle to this harsh judging of people's inability to drive carefully and to protect my rights as a cyclist. I become king of the road in my own mind, feeling like it's my job to let everyone know when they've broken the rules of careful driving through a shake of my head as I cycle past. I don't know if any of you do that, but I sort of sometimes just make a gesture to myself of frustration or I cycle past with my head shaking just so they know they've upset the king of the road this morning. A couple of years ago, I remember riding into work and I had to, um, in order to get to work, I had to cycle through a car park. And as I cycled through the car park, there were a couple of people that had obviously just got out of their car and they were walking in the middle of the road in the car park and they were quite oblivious to anyone, anyone else. And uh, I was coming at speed and obviously wanting to get by them, but they were taking up most of the road. And so me with my sort of king of the road hat on, I was like, what are they doing? And instead of you know, perhaps slowing right down and sort of maybe coming off my bike or something and walking past them and getting back on. I, in my judgmental attitude, I came at them at speed. Then I veered to the right. They obviously didn't see any of this, but it was still proving a point, clearly. And I veered to the right and then sort of overtook them, then veered back in and carried on going. And the veering back in was a sort of, you, you imbeciles, do you not realise you're in my way? Now, I didn't know it, but the person that I had just passed was the king of the pavement. And that meant he had a very clear idea in his mind of his rights and rules as a pedestrian. And he had some, a bee in his bonnet about the behaviour of cyclists, particularly when they're near pedestrians. And so as I cycle past and judge him, he sees me and judges me, and so he shouts out in a loud voice something I cannot repeat on a Sunday. I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but when you know you're right and someone else, is, else judges you thinking you're wrong, that affects me internally. Like emotionally, that annoys me. And so when this guy shouted this thing at me, I slammed on my brakes. I dismounted my bike and just sort of let it drop to the floor. <laughs> and I walked up to the guy I said, what did you just call me? What did you just call me? And as I sort of finished me, that last word of the sentence, I thought, oh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I love Jesus. I'm a pastor. I'm rubbish at fighting. <laughs> this is not going to look good on Sunday when I turn up with a broken nose in a fight that I started. <laughs> So very quickly, I was like, I'm really sorry. Have a great day on my bike. Quick, go. And I was off. It is incredible the level of anger I felt in that moment. 
Like seriously, I'm a gentle person, but in that moment I was ready to go. It would have been very embarrassing for me, but I was ready to go. The dangerous thing about judgment in our hearts is that it never stays there. It eventually spills over into our lives, onto our roads, into our friendships, into our workplaces, onto our marriages. We can do so much damage because of the hatred and the anger and the envy that we feel. Now, I remember distinctly a frustrated teacher sitting me down in a German lesson and saying to me, Matt, however hard you try, you will never, ever pass this subject. And granted, I wasn't the best student, but what I was getting was clearly a very frustrated teacher letting their judgment of me spill out of their heart into words that stung like crazy. However many years later, I still remember very clearly. To make matters worse, if you didn't already know it, if you're a Christian here today, we're seen as the most judgmental of the lot. We're seen as opinionated. We're seen as people that always feel like we're in the right And often we've got verses to back up what we think is right and wrong. And it leaves many people outside of the church feeling ostracized or rejected or put off. If you're not a church person, you might be saying, at last, finally they see it. Because I've not come to church for so long. Because if you knew what was going on in my life, all I would get is judgment, judgment, judgment. And so I've stayed away. Listen, if that's the case, we're so sorry and we hope tonight you see that that is not the sort of community we want to be. It's days like today when we study Jesus' words and he, in a beautiful way, is telling us to form a community of love and acceptance. I hope you see that Matthew 7 is clearly telling the church, not just in its relationships with each other, but with the watching world, that every time we have a harsh, critical, judgmental attitude, Jesus has got a massive problem with that. It even comes with a warning. Look at verse 2. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is saying your judgment towards someone bounces back on yourself. In his kingdom, the measure you use to assess someone is the measure used to evaluate your own life. And the harsher you give, the harsher you receive. And it's meant to stop us in our tracks. But this is where it gets tough, because you might hear that and say, yep, that seems fair. But there are also things in our lives where surely we must make a judgment. Surely there are things that are wrong. There are matters of injustice which we as a church family need to stand up for and say, no, that is wrong. Perhaps there are things that people do to hurt others that need judging. So what are we meant to do? If Jesus is saying, do not judge, but on the other hand, we know there are things that are right and true, how do we find a way through? Well, Jesus is telling us why judgment is wrong. Verse 3, why 
Do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Jesus is saying it is impossible for us to judge rightly because we can't see into other people's lives correctly. Why can't we do that? Because our own issues, our own sin gets in the way. It is ludicrous for someone who has a plank of wood in their eye to try and get a little bit of sawdust out of the eye of a friend. In other words, Jesus is saying this, every time you make a judgment or an external evaluation, every time you're harsh, you're condemning, you're self-righteous, every time justification rises up, beware because it's probably a reflection of something in your own heart. You see, people who quickly get angry over certain issues are often struggling with those very... I mean, we're talking about a little lamb. This man must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan said to David, you are that man. David's judgmental heart is exposed by his level of anger towards a similar theme. Clearly all the guilt and the pain and the shame and weakness over robbing a man of his life and his wife is revealed through this level of anger over the rich man stealing the poor man's sheep in the story. So listen, you've got to ask this. When you judge and there is a level of anger or bitterness or jealousy or envy that rises up in your heart at the same time, you've got to ask yourself, where is that coming from? Like, What is going on in my life and my heart that causes me to feel this so strongly? You know, when you see something that causes you to judge or form an opinion or stuff that you just feel like you cannot resist but comment, then it should trigger a response in your life that says, I wonder what God wants me to deal with in my life. Ironically, your judging people doesn't ever end up with them changing. You don't find many people saying, I feel so small and so belittled by your argument. I think I will change. In fact, I'll become more like you. You know, it doesn't work like that. When you judge people, you push them away. They go in the opposite direction. So the question is, can we never judge them? Can we we as Christians here in the room, those of you that are Christians, can we ever judge? And my answer to you would be, no, we can't. Unless we go the way of Jesus. You see, whether it's a speck or a plank, both people in the story cannot see. You know, if you've ever had a little bit of grit or a fly in your eye, you know, it's agony and you can't see. So plank or speck, everyone's blind in the story. The wood, big or small, is symbolic of a problem in the heart of the person. So big or small, we are all blind and unable to truly judge one another. The only person who can judge perfectly has to be sinless. Their eyes have to be wood-free. And the Bible tells us this person's Jesus. 
God is the true judge of our lives. He is the only one who can see clearly. James 4 verse 12 agrees, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge over your neighbour? So very gently, Jesus is making clear there needs to be a humbling that is bigger than just the judgments that we make in life. It may be pushing the illustration, but it's like we need to realise there are huge planks in every area of our lives and we are all guilty. And I know immediately we all want to push back and say, well, this person's worse than me. But Jesus says, for a moment, please just look at your own plank. You know, after making clear that we've all turned away from God, the Apostle Paul says this. I'm not sure you've got this on the screens, but Romans, 12 verse, uh, Romans 2 verse 1 says, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. You know, Jesus is saying, if you like, we are so riddled with selfishness, that it is impossible to truly judge one another. So it's not just the judging that needs dealing with, but it's our whole lives. It's our whole lives that need to come under the power of Christ. And it's only when we come to God, the true judge of our hearts, and confess our mess and repent and turn from our pride that the logs start to get removed. It's as simple as that. If you are big enough to say, my life is a mess, there are many, many planks that need dealing with, Jesus, would you come and take them away? That humbling that that's re- that, that requires of us put, excuse me, puts us in a place where we can receive fresh power to be free from our own agenda, to truly see. And that is exactly what verse 5 says. It says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Only through Jesus we find the humility, grace and power to see ourselves and others clearly. So so let's finish with this. How do we do it? If we shouldn't judge unless we're judging with Jesus, unless we've done that humbling, coming under him, letting him deal with our hearts, how do we move forward? There's a couple of things to finish. Firstly, Jesus instructs us to apply the golden rule to this area of our lives. It's found just three verses, four verses later in Matthew 7. Matthew 7 verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the golden rule. Judge others in the way that you want to be judged. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, judge others in the way that you want to be judged. (coughs) judge others in the way that you want to be judged so listen we're nearly done the question is how do you want to be judged how do you want to be judged you know if you were to ask me that question this is what my reply would be if you saw me doing something you knew was wrong or was inappropriate or whatever it was And you spoke to me about it. You know how I would want to reply? I would want to say to you, well, before you come to any conclusions, do you know what sort of day I had building up to that moment? 
you know the pressures I'm facing at home? Do you know what's going on in my wider family? And just all of that is a real concern to me. And actually bigger than that, do you sort of realise the sort of background I come from, which makes that thing a particular issue for me? And do you realise that my dad and other significant people who never did this and that, which means I also really struggle with this particular thing. And I will want to keep going back and back and back and making the picture get bigger and bigger and bigger in order for you not to judge me on this, but to judge me on that. And so when we judge and judge others as we would want to be judged, it means that we're willing to not just judge in the moment and not just judge harshly in the moment, but we want everything to be taken account of. And beautifully, that is actually how God judges our lives. He takes everything into account. And even though the punishment we deserve for our sin is cast on Jesus at the cross, in this taking account of, we are truly loved and accepted in Christ. So how do we judge with Jesus? Well, we judge with Jesus by judging as we want to be judged. But secondly, and I think, I I hope I've emphasised this, but you must be prepared to take the plank out of your own eye first. When something about you irritates me, there must be a high probability that there is an issue in my own life. That doesn't take away from the fact that something might need addressing, but you need to start with yourself first. I wonder what sort of friend you would be if you stopped judging people out of your brokenness. I wonder what sort of friend you would be if you stopped judging people out of all your issues. What sort of husband or wife you'd be. What sort of parent you'd be. What sort of boss you'd be. Lastly, look at what Jesus says if you just don't want to do that. If you don't want to follow the golden rule and judge people as you want to be judged or you don't look at yourself first, Jesus says this in verse 5. He says, you hypocrite. You hypocrite. He says, if you're not willing to look at your heart, if you're too insecure, if you're too uncaring, if you're too self-righteous, if you're too confident in the justice of your cause, then Jesus calls you a hypocrite. Pretending to be godly. The outside looks good, but the inside is rotten. Imagine the sort of community we could have here if we stop judging one another out of our jealousy and our pride and our false assumptions. Imagine the sort of family we would have where non-Christians come into this family expecting nothing but judgment and hypocrisy and what they find is humility. They find understanding. They have people that say, me too. Me too. Imagine the sort of discipleship discipleship triplets we could have, that sort of like groups of three in the church that really trust each other, that are friends, that we share life with. Imagine the power in those discipleship triplets of people confronting each other in love. And instead of one person saying, well, I've got this that I just want to speak to you about. You know, I've looked at it in my own life and I feel like God's doing this, but I want to say this gently to you. 
instead of that other person immediately saying, don't judge me. Imagine them being able to see that you have done the hard work of taking the plank out of your own eye first so that they can truly receive the words of life that you have for them. Perhaps God has sent someone into your life to help pull out that plank because they've humbly pulled out one of their own. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Oh my gosh. That's me. That's my life. It's the words of Jesus that are full of wisdom and full of hope because we all want to be those sort of people. We all want to be in those sort of families. And that's our deep hope here that we would, instead of pushing people away in our judgment, we would pull people close and show them what a family centred on Jesus is meant to be about. So I'd love to pray. Do you understand your feet? Perhaps you want to just close your eyes for a moment and uh, just use these moments to just think about your life and thinking about think about whether this is relevant in any way, shape, or form to you. I want you to think about just the way you treat others. And perhaps tonight would be a, a great night just to say sorry to God, where you know you don't judge in the way that Jesus would want you to judge. But today's a, a day of new beginnings. And the Father models to us what perfect love and acceptance and judgment is truly like. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much you're here. Thank you that there's so much grace in the room. Thank you, Lord, that you want us to be a family that loves and accepts and stands for what's right and gets that balance perfect. You want us to be people that look at our own lives before we point the finger and cast the first stone. Thank you, Lord, you're pretty good with wood. Thank you, you like taking wood out of our eyes and out of our lives. Thank you that you are the master carpenter. You're the one who can deal with every issue, every sin, every wrong attitude and transform our hearts. And we welcome your work, Lord. We want to lift our voices to you in praise. We want to lift our minds to you in adoration and remind ourselves of the goodness that's in the gospel so that we might be a people that are different, full of love and light. Amen. Amen. 